Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Randy from Lamb of God, and you're listening to Talking Metal. This is Mark from Lamb of God, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, this is Chris from Lamb of God, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Mark Striegel. John Astronomy. This is the Talking Metal Podcast, broadcasting around the world from New York City. Yo, John Astronomy here with Mark Striegel. Craziness of New York City. Always the sirens. Always the sirens. And uh, if you guys don't live in New York City, you probably think we plan this, but... That's just how it is. In New York City, there is a siren going by the street every few minutes, literally. That's not an exaggeration. We are on the corner of 42nd and 7th, right under the big lit-up uh, Chase Bank sign, right next to the Quicksilver store. Right, and to my left, we've got an ambulance and a trolley. Trolley going down the street, how about that? Oh, yeah. Yep. A trolley. I don't. Know. What do you want me to say about it? It's a, a website. It says NewYorkSightseeing.com trolley. So go check it out. Yeah. We'll link it through today's show notes. Yeah, and then right behind us is where the ball drops. So that is that. That's where we are. We got a giant McDonald's here. It's like a four floors, and it's like a club in there. If you've ever uh, been to New York, go there. We got Madame Tussauds. I don't know how you pronounce that. Dave and Buster's. A bunch of crazy stuff. Ripley's, believe it or not. Anyway. We are coming down from just countless Talking Metal events, right? Yeah, one of them being OzFest, which was a few weeks ago at this point, uh, three, four weeks ago. And we just had a great time out there. Big thanks to guys like Chris Adler, who spent some time with us. Chris was uh, very gracious, came off stage, walked over to John and I and did an interview, uh, which was actually scheduled before his set, but he was getting some tattoo work done, which we'll let him tell you about in this interview coming up. And uh, we're going to get to Chris and Lamb of God in just a minute. We're going to get to Dave from Throwdown a little bit later in the podcast. Stay tuned for all that. I just want to take a minute right now and wish you, John, a happy birthday. Today is September 12th. You guys will probably be hearing this on the 15th, 16th, something like that. Uh, But today, the recording of this host segment here is September 12th. So happy birthday. Thank you very much, Mark. I'm actually having a pretty fun birthday. Uh, uh, All my coworkers are... uh, taking me out to eat and giving me presents and uh it's just been a really fun day we had a live show last night uh, i hope uh, all of you guys uh, had a chance to listen to that if you haven't go to talkingmetallive.com and uh, we just had a blast and we had some special guests we had opus call in from dead by wednesday and we had militia ned from swear on your life great band got a cool shirt from them i have it at work right now and uh, we just had a good time yeah, let's start off with some music and then get into the interview with Chris. This is Black and the Cursed Sun of Sacrament, available on iTunes. We'll get those links up in today's show notes. Dark and day. 
Hey, it's John from Talking Metal. I'm hanging out backstage at OzFest. Mark and Emily are here, and uh, we are hanging with Chris from Lamb of God. Chris, great show. How you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for having me. We really appreciate how cool you've been to us. Even today, uh, we were going to meet up earlier, and you were getting a tattoo by Paul Booth. Yeah, I lucked out. Uh, Paul and I have been working on my arm for about two years now, and uh, he lives pretty close to here, so he, he kind of surprised me and came out and it's hard to turn him down when he's got the time. You know, he's got a waiting list of like two years. So I'm, I'm one of the lucky few. So we sat down there, and he turned me into hamburger before I had to go on stage and play. But I'm sorry I missed our original time. I'm glad I caught up with you now. No problem with missing the original time. And I wanted to ask you, how much more does he have to do? Because it looks great, by the way. Well, it's one of these things that we kind of we kind of just started by drawing on my arm with Sharpie, and there was never really a beginning or an end. So I don't know how far it's going to go. I don't know how much longer we're going to, you know, we'll just it, soon it'll just be my whole body covered in the thing. It's like a disease spreading from my arm to the rest of me. It's just going to keep going, I guess. Now, now is that all Paul's work? Yes. Or Oh, wow, that's great. Yeah, thank you very much. Cool. So I, I had a, a, like a million questions here. I, I don't want to hit you with all of them, but the the cool thing is that uh, I mean, since the spring, you guys have really been around the entire world. I mean, you were in Japan, Australia, New Zealand. Uh, you know, you were doing the the festivals in Europe, and I think it's amazing that that Download Fest you guys played for seventy five thousand people. Yeah, it was uh, it, it was one of those moments where you're really almost holding your breath the whole time. You know, it was it was kind of a blackout where you just kind of have to. Let your body do what it knows how to do, and don't think about it until you're done, or you're going to lose it. You know, and uh, it was a thrill for us. And, and like you're saying with Sacrament, it was really important for us. We wanted to take this record around the world. With the other records, we've been close, but never quite made it over to Australia and Japan until the end of um, Ashes Awake in Philadelphia. So with with Sacrament, we wanted to make sure we got all the way around to a full, real touring cycle of you know 15 to 18 months. And, you know, with that, we're booked until the end of December of this year, and then we're going to take a little time off and get back together and start writing the new one. And what's pretty crazy is that, like, you guys went over there, like, down in Australia, New Zealand, then you came back, then back to Europe again. So it's not like you kind of, like, just, like, kind of went in a circle. You guys have been there, back, there, and back again. Yeah, well, the, uh, the lucky problem that we have is that people want to see us play. And uh, we're very fortunate to be able to travel around and, and, and offer that. So we're we're having a blast with it. We all agreed when the record came out that we are committed to going everywhere we could with this, you know. And uh, luckily, we're having you know audiences like we did tonight in New Jersey, which was amazing. I don't know how many people here. I guess 30,000 people. It's a great show, and uh, you know it's it's amazing for us to have that opportunity. And, and we'll keep going as long as we can. I mean, even through ten people here tonight, we would have had as as good of a time and as good of a show. You know, we love what we're doing, and it, we're lucky to be doing it. I had a great time at the Roseland show. I don't even remember that in New York City, but that was an awesome show. Yeah, we had a blast. We were out there with a couple great bands, Gojira, Machine Head. I think Trivium was on that tour, too. And uh, the only problem with that show was right in the middle of it, we had a power spike that blew out all the amps on stage. We actually had to run out to the truck, get all the spare amps in there, and there was like a 10 minutes of downtime where when you're on stage, it feels like two hours, you know. But everybody was surprisingly very patient and considerate. And, you know, at a New York show, you start expecting stuff to get thrown up on stage at you. And uh, people held on and waited for it, and we, we killed it the rest of the show. So it was great. See, see it's... it's uh... Uh, a testament to the band that's on stage during that because some bands I think people would like run out of the place but because of you guys were there they all stayed that's true we're fortunate to have some really great fans now we saw you uh, on the Gigantor tour uh, probably what last September maybe I'm trying to think when the, no had probably like eight months ago I'm thinking it was, it was okay, man it all starts <laughs> to run together after a while you know yeah, it was right here. It was right here. Yeah, and uh, how, how do the do the festivals? Do you see a big difference in like the Unholy Alliance and the Gigantor and the Ozzy, or is it kind of the same crowd? No. Well, you know, with Ozzy being free this year, it's it's really brought in the kind of crowd that you know might not normally go to a show or might may not have may be familiar with Lamb of God but not really dug into it or you know the kind of people that are kind of casual fans where just kind of walk up and see what's going on. I mean, tickets are free, right? So we're lucky to have the opportunity to play to an audience that may only know a little bit about us or may know nothing at all. Whereas on the Slayer and the Megadeth tour, I think most of those people probably already had one of our CDs and knew who we were and knew what it was all about. We're now given the opportunity to kind of introduce ourselves to a whole new crowd. And that's what that's why we went with OzFest this year. We knew it was going to be special for us, and I think it's going to help you know spread the word of Lamb of God. Absolutely. And I wanted to congratulate you, number one metal drummer in uh Modern Drummer last month, right? It was, yeah. It was, uh, you know, Modern Drummer's always been a magazine that is, from when I was a kid, it really intimidated me. The guys, you know, Neil Peart and Stuart Copeland and, and just these 
monsters of, uh, of percussion and, and everything else. And, and I'm just this rock kid from the suburbs of D.C. that wanted to play speed metal. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to go as fast as the guitar players are going, you know. So it's, it's really cool to receive those honors and those kudos, but I can't really, I, I can't pay attention because it's, it still scares me to death to think that, you know, I'm in that magazine. <laughs> Let me tell you, I'm, I'm a drummer. I, I, I graduated from Berkeley in Boston, and I just listen to the double bass you're doing, and I mean, I used to be not too bad at double bass, but, like, lately, just between my job and talking metal, like, I, I, my chops are down. But, like, I think you're unbelievable. And just to keep it up for, like, every song, or, you know, like, all the songs that you guys do in a set is is a, a feat in itself. I mean, some people can do, you know, the song once, like, in a studio. But to do it for a whole show, I mean, I, what do you work out, like, before the gigs or what? Actually, yeah. It, well, you know, it's always, it's always a challenge, you know. If, when you... When you're in the studio recording those songs, you can do it 400 times till you get it right once. And tonight, you know, I, I get one chance at each song. And it's not going to be perfect every time. And you shouldn't beat yourself up if you're in a band and playing, and it's not perfect all the time. Just keep going. Have fun with it. And, and But, yeah, I do. Actually, I, I, last Christmas I quit smoking, and I've been going to the gym in the, in the mornings of the shows, just doing, like, cardio stuff. Nothing, you know, I'm not looking to be Incredible Hulk or anything. I just want to be able to get through these shows as we become come up from the opening band to the headlining band. You know, our set's gone from 20 minutes now to someone shows 90 minutes where – these songs are not easy, you know. It's 100 miles an hour for 90 minutes, and you got to be able to keep up. You don't want to put on a, a crappy show for the people that paid to see you. So I want to make sure I'm in good shape for it. When you when you start, do you have like full force at the first song, or do you like do you have to like kind of like purposely not go full force, like in, so you don't like lose it towards the end, or how do you? From, from the beginning, when we started, like I was saying, as an opening band, where we would play for 20 minutes, I could just throw everything at it. You know, here, here's the six songs. We're only going to play six songs, so I'm just going to go full on 100%. And as the set started getting longer and longer, I had to learn where I you know, needed to not necessarily lay back, but I needed to build that stamina and endurance. So when I start now, yeah, it is. It, it's, it's as strong as the last song is, but I've, I've built that stamina over time. Because it, it sounds great. To me, it sounds like you're going full force all the songs. But I just asked that because I know how hard it is to, to keep that up. And I, I think it's just when you play every day doing the set, it just keeps building up more and more and more. Yeah, well, I tell you what. It's, it's, uh, I got a job that at, at the longest I work for 90 minutes a day. So I, I figure I better be pretty good at it. <laughs> and I, and I, Ozzy is coming on behind us here. You can hear him starting here at uh, OzFest at the PNC Art Center in New Jersey. But... Uh, just a couple more quick questions, Chris. Uh, on the health tip, uh, you're a vegetarian, right? Now, what attracted you to the vegetarian diet? Was it the animal thing or the health thing? Initially, it was uh, health. Well, I wanted to lose weight. Actually, 11 years ago, I was uh, I went to the doctor for a sore throat or something, and um, I got weighed. It was like two, just under 200 pounds. And I, the last time I had weighed myself before that was when I graduated high school. I was 155 pounds. So I was like, you know, I was looking at myself like, what have I done? You know, what have I let myself do? So I, I, I uh, stopped eating red meat just to try to lose weight. Started doing a little cardio, working out, stuff like that. Blah blah blah. Um, but I started going on tour with different bands and seeing the. And I don't want to be preachy because I, I, I'm a drummer and I, you know, that's what I do. And I'm not telling anybody how to live. But we started seeing things on the road that really turned me off to things. You know, things like chicken trucks and and the, and the, just the. the the, the things you learn on the road about uh, factory-produced food, you know, it, it's, it's some of that stuff is really, for me, it was difficult to take that in and, and keep eating it. So th- that's when I turned off chicken, and it's been uh, 11 years since then, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm, I'm proud of myself for doing it. It's not something that I'm going to tell you you should do. You know, everybody for themselves, you do what you feel comfortable with, but I, I know, you know, it feels good for me. And you, don't, and you don't miss it? You don't miss the meat? Hell yeah, I miss it, man. Some fried chicken? Oh, it'd be amazing right now. Yeah, roast beef sandwich? Yeah, I miss it. <laughs> cool. Man, now I, I'm sorry to keep uh, turning this into like a modern drummer again, but uh, I got to ask about the kit. You're using a Mapex kit, right? Yeah, I've been with Mapex for a couple years now, and they've been real good to me. I actually was with Premier Drums before Mapex, and uh, there's a guy over there that's been around forever. His name's Joe Hibbs. He worked with all the greats, Dave Lombardo, uh, Lars Ulrich, Worked with all these guys coming up in Tama, then moved to Premier, and he hooked me up with Premier. He then moved over to Mapex, and I moved right along with him. It, it's you know every drum company out there makes a beautiful set. It's it's all about the people that work there and how well you work with them and the relationship you build with them. And I, I really 
for me, it's it's more than the products. It's the people that I'm working with. I, I really like having a, a friendly relationship and a good working relationship with people around me. So that's what I, I go for. And, you know, even with some of the stuff that wasn't necessarily the best product for my needs, I said, hey, let's let's work on this together because I know you, I like you. Let's, let's see, like with uh, Minel Symbols, you know, we took, they didn't have a ride symbol that I liked. And they were willing to fly me to Germany and talk to the to the factory people about what it was that I wanted. And that's the kind of dedication you don't get with the you know the super big companies that are like, well, if you don't like it, tough. Here's what it is, you know. So they're like, here's like the ten symbols we make, and uh, you know, pick one or not. Yeah. And, but it's amazing that Meinl actually brought you over to Germany, and you guys sat there and talked about what sound you're looking for. And now, what, what um, did they have to use? You know. Um, what is it? Is it like hammered? What kind of ride do you actually use? Like, do you use like, um, what is it? Hand hammered or yeah, different? It's, uh, it's hand hammered. It's a 24 inch, uh, what it's called, pure American metal ride. And uh, you know, when I was um, playing in the, when I first started playing drums, I found an old Zildjian A 24 inch ride, and it was like from 1972. And in the 80s, they stopped making th- symbols that big. You know, the biggest you could get was like a 20 sometimes a 22 inch ride but nobody was really making the 24 so I really wanted to bring that back because I, I love knowing when I hit that ride symbol I want it to be as loud as my snare drum and I want everybody on stage to know that I just went to the ride symbol I grew up listening to Aerosmith and stuff like that and when Joey Kramer would go to that ride you knew it was time for Joe Perry to do a solo it was like a different part of the song you know when you heard that so it's a, that's kind of a special thing for me that we worked on and came up with something pretty cool I'll tell you the truth. I, I love that going to the ride during solos because I always, as a drummer, did that. I used to play in a band with my dad, and we didn't have too many other musicians, so when somebody was soloing, I had to make it sound bigger, and I always went to the ride. So it's pretty cool that you do that, too. Yeah, All the time. Cool. Well, Chris, thanks so much for joining us on the Talking Metal Podcast, and uh, we wish you a lot of luck on the rest of the OzFest tour. Any plan? What's the, the tell, tell us again the plans after OzFest. You're going to start doing some writing? Well, I'm going to go home and, and listen to your podcast first. Thanks. Actually, actually I, I actually am subscribed to to the podcast. I, I got I got an yeah I got an iPod, my first iPod, like six months ago, and just went kind of perusing for metal stuff. And yours was the first one that came up, so I'm I'm, I'm listening all the time. But um, we're home for two months, uh, which is our first break since before the record came out in a long time. Heading over to the UK in November and doing main support for the Heaven and Hell tour with Dio over there. We're really psyched about that. Then we're back in December for what we're just announcing. We're doing a co-headlining run with Killswitch Engage across the U.S. again, a last blast for Sacrament. And uh, we're picking our opening bands right now. I think Devil Driver's in line. And uh, we're working on a very special second guest uh, on that bill, and, and we'll let you know who that is soon enough and uh, if it all falls into place. And that'll be it. End of December, Christmas time. We're taking the time off, go home, lock ourselves in our rooms for a little while, and wait for that itch to write another record. Excellent. Well, we can't wait. We can't wait. And thanks again, and good luck on the rest of the tour. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thanks, man. Can we get an ID? Yeah, we have one, actually, but it's it's getting another one, yeah. All right. How do you want it to go? Uh, It's Chris from Lamb of God. You're listening to Talking Metal. All right. Hey, this is Chris from Lamb of God, and you're listening to Talking Metal.
from the Sacrament album. We're going to link all this stuff through today's show notes. Go buy this on iTunes. Go buy the entire album. These guys are great. They've always been nice to Talking Metal. We've had several of the members on before. Yes, everybody, I believe, except Willie, has now been on Talking Metal. And we were even hanging a little bit with Randy backstage. She was back by the second stage, which is like a separate backstage area than the main stage. And uh, I was wearing a shirt. It, it said, Free the West Memphis 3. And I saw Randy. I said, hey, Randy, what's up? And he was kind of like, hey, man. And then he started walking away. And he stopped. He was like, dude. That, well, he didn't say dude. He, but he turned around. And he said, hey, man, that's a great, great shirt. And he gave me, like, kind of a big smile and thumbs up. So uh, that's very cool. Let's not forget about the West Memphis 3, WM3.org. Yeah, definitely check that stuff out. We had a blast at OzFest. Things just keep going for Talking Metal. We're going to get to some more OzFest episodes, so stay tuned. Mark is getting attacked by some kind of flying bug. It's a bee. Now it's attacking me. Bees in New York. It's kind of rare, but uh, I think they all die when they get to the atmosphere here in New York, so it's rare to see a living bug. Yeah, well, cockroaches. Yeah, yeah, those are the only things that can survive anything. They're all over the place. My one apartment, man, they used to crawl on my face. Oh, wow, that's that's horrible. That's we, sad. That's why I moved, and that's why now I have, like, a, a kick-ass new apartment. But uh, this was, I'm talking, like, like many, many years ago, 1991. Yeah. Which I can't wait to see your new place. I'm going to stop over there. Next week we're going to do a podcast episode back on the silver, the all-new silver spacecraft Jersey City home base. I still like to think of Jersey City as the talking metal home base, even though I moved to Essex County, and it seems like most of the podcasts are, do, are we're doing here in New York City lately. We will get back to Jersey City, and looking forward to that. You came out to my place. I had a bar- barbecue last uh, weekend. It was great. Gary, the VO guy from the live show, was out there. A ton of Emily's friends, and uh, Frank Ferrer from Guns N' Roses stopped by. It was a, a he lives actually in the same town I live in now. So it was a he was with his son. It was a great time. Yeah, Frank was with his son Coltrane, who was a great little boy, very cool, had fun playing with your dog Ozzy. Yeah, we got a new dog, Ozzy, who is, like, already destroying our house, but we're having a great time with him. Frank eh, told me he had a great time at the uh, at the barbecue, and he's, uh, you know, off from, from Guns N' Roses right now, but he's staying busy. He recently uh, did a bar mitzvah for Henry Rollins. I believe nephew um, out in the LA area, and I think Dizzy and uh, I want to say Richard Fortas did that with him. But imagine half of Guns N' Roses playing your bar mitzvah. That's out of control. We ought to get them down there to play the next barbecue. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Bumblefoot's uh, around, but he the reason Bumblefoot wasn't at the party was he was at Loca Bazooka. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but that was the Heaven and Hell uh, extravaganza up in Massachusetts. Yeah, that's right. We got a, a couple fans email us pictures of them hanging out with Bumblefoot. I guess he showed it up at some Guns N' Roses tribute show up there in Massachusetts, and I guess the place went wild. That's pretty cool. I was actually excited that Frank uh, let me go inside his car and, like, fidget with the brakes because somehow his brake light was on, and he's like, just, John, go handle that. That was an awesome car. What was that? That was a 1966 Chevelle which is an amazing car. My parents actually had a 69 Chevelle Malibu when I was a kid, but Frank's was out of control. They were both great, but that car was amazing. He got that in California and had it shipped out here to New York. Yeah, that was very, very cool car. Red car, awesome. So, yeah, I am just still uh, coming down off of uh, my uh, extravaganza right down the street here at BB King's in New York two Mondays ago. Yes, two Mondays ago, you rocked out. Must have been one of the biggest days of your life. We spoke about this on the live show the other night, but uh, let's tell, we have a lot more listeners, obviously, in the podcast, so let's kind of recap. The uh, one and only Paul Stanley took the stage with John on guitar, with Bruce Kulik on guitar. Tell us what else happened. 
Yeah, it was crazy. Basically, I was hanging out, working with my friends from Gibson Guitars up at the Gibson Guitar Showroom. That led into me being one of the MCs at a big rock and roll fantasy camp event where I hung out with Spike Edney from Queen, and we picked out songs that the rock and roll fantasy campers were going to be playing with Paul Stanley. And then... I got to be really good friends with Glenn Hughes from Deep Purple, and also I uh, did some Black Sabbath stuff. And Glenn is really, let me tell you, one of the greatest musicians, greatest people I've ever met in my entire life. This guy is unbelievable. Paul Stanley actually told me, out of the top ten singers in rock, Glenn Hughes is one of them. And, and Paul had a blast uh, hanging out with Glenn as well. Glenn invited me to play and to basically become a guest counselor for his group. I worked on Detroit Rock City with the gang. The band was called Kaiser Sose. They were great. All the members are cool. Big shout out to you guys. Thank you for letting me do this with you. And uh, Glenn just said, man, I want you up on stage with us. And did a rehearsal with Paul, did a rehearsal with Bruce, showed the late show with David Letterman Horns, How to Play Detroit Rock City. That was a blast. Those guys are killer musicians. And then basically went up on stage at BB Kings and rocked a song out. It was amazing. John Astronomy on stage with Paul Stanley playing Detroit Rock City. That's has to be a highlight in your life. I mean, I, I'm 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 like proud for you, and I'm also a little bit jealous. I wish I could have done something like that. Oh, you will definitely be doing stuff like that very soon with Talking Metal. I can guarantee. Mark that. I can guarantee all the listeners that we're going to be doing some really cool stuff in the future. And, uh, boy, it was definitely a highlight of my life. Uh, I mean, to think a, a second grader who loves KISS is rocking out with, like, two members of KISS at the same time, plus Glenn Hughes, plus all the other great musicians, was just unbelievable. Check that stuff out on TalkingMetal.com. I'm working right now on this insanely large photo gallery. There's uh, a little excerpt on YouTube of uh, that. We're going to actually get a, uh, a better full-length video at some point very soon, which we'll post. And uh, just go to TalkingMetal.com, go to the photos section, go to the news section, and you will be able to check out all of this cool stuff. And is that on the YouTube Talking Metals channel already? Yeah, right now the excerpt is up there. It's basically from the guitar solo to the end of the song. And the audio is kind of cutting out a little bit. Um, my really good friend Sebastian from Argentina, uh, Argentina taped that. But uh, unfortunately there was a little bit of a sound issue. But you'll get the idea. It's still cool. Very cool. Very cool. We appreciate all the support you guys give us. Talking Metal. Dot com, TalkingMetalLive.com, MySpace.com, slash TalkingMetal, Astronomy.net, MarkStriegel.com. Keep on visiting the websites, the Talking Metal Forum, which is TalkingMetalForums.com. I hear a marching band or something going down the street. I'm looking for them, but I can't find them. Yeah, there's, there's always something. I see a tuba over there by the subway. the subway over there. Yeah, it's crazy, man. This New York City is a great city. There's always a ton of crazy stuff going on. Every time you look, there's something new. There used to be a brewery right across the street. It's no longer there. Like, you, you close your eyes for one second, something's coming in, something's going out. Absolutely. This street, especially 42nd, has transformed in the last 12 years. This Champs Sports used to be a Disney store, and before that, it was Porno Palace. Right. There's a ton of porn on this very street. Now it's basically, I see Mary Poppins, Dave & Buster's, it's a kid's place, Wax Museum, Ripley's, believe it or not, bunch of plays. They've really transformed 42nd Street since, really, you and I have been hanging out here, man. We had some... Oh, I just... Uh, sorry. Hold on once. We had a little accident here. The zipper caught a four yeah. bystander. Uh, really there was a little collision just happened here. Uh, uh, a, a woman was walking by and, and oh, somehow... Oh, really? Well, let me tell you something. I don't mean to be impolite or rude, but could you spare a little change for a little food? Maybe get burger, a slice of pizza. It's so nice to meet you. Trick or treat you. Beat you. Go back with this the feature. I got, I'm rubbing on the microphone. I'm never the feature. Come on, now. You can do it. That, 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 that. That's, that's, yeah. That, that'll go. help. Thank All right. Oh, you never know. Yeah. Yeah. A uh, little, little guy working for some money. Parents on top Yeah. Uh, anyways, now I'm all thrown off. I don't know what we're talking about, but I gotta, I gotta uh, go back to work, dude. So, Forty uh, Second, yeah, Forty Second yeah, Street totally transformed from what it was in the uh, early '90s. Let's get into a little Throwdown. Is that cool? I think that's great. You did an interview with a member of Throwdown, and let's get into some music and check out the interview. Tell us who you talked to. It's Dave Peters, 
great guy from Throwdown. They got a great album out called Venom and Tears. We're going to hear a track called Holy Roller, a little sound sample of that, then we'll get into the interview. We'll end today's show with Venom and Tears. Check it out. What's up? This is Dave Peters from Throwdown, and you're listening to Talking Metal. recently given a copy of Venom and Tears, and it sounds great, man. Congratulations. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. It's getting some great reviews, too. I mean, uh, how does it feel when you read positive and strong reviews from, you know, well-respected places like Revolver Magazine? You know, I mean, we, uh, it, it's really cool. I'll, I'll start off by saying that, but, you know, we try and not get too caught up in what, um, you know, what's being said in reviews or in, in you know, publications and whatnot. Um, just, you know, whether it's good or, or bad, we try not to get too hung up on it. We just kind of, uh, you know, just make sure that before anything that we're just real happy and we're satisfied with uh, with the record and that um, and the people that mean most to us, which is our fans and, uh, you know, our close friends that have been, you know, with us since the beginning that, that really appreciate the record. And uh, beyond that, I mean, everything is pretty much icing on the cake, you know. Right. Cool. Now, you guys were in the studio for this record with a pretty big-time producer, Mud Rock, who's worked with, I guess you could say, mainstream bands like Godsmack and Avenged Sevenfold, even Alice Cooper. How was it working with him? That's right. Yeah, no, he, uh, it, it, was, um, it was awesome, man. He, uh, he's a bit of a, a hard-ass sometimes with, um, <laughs> uh, with you know, different elements of the process, but it, I think that um, that made for, you know, actually a... a a better end result because when you've got everybody in the studio, um, you know that are that are there to do the same thing, which is make a great sounding record, and everyone there is passionate about that, no matter what their job is on the record, then um, you know I think that, uh, that that produces the best result. And he was, you know, he was very passionate about making this record the same way that we were, and so uh, it, it worked. Uh, it worked out very good, and we were we're, we're very stoked, and um, we had a great time with him. Very cool. Now, you started off as the guitar, one of the guitar players in Throwdown, right? That's right. And then yeah. you moved over to vocals. Was was that was that? Uh, I mean, are you you're still doing guitar though too, right? Yeah, you know, I I, um, I wrote and I played uh, uh, you know, quite a bit of some of some of the songs on um, on a new record, and uh, I've you know always had my hand in the writing process for the music, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, before anything else, I, you know, 
I, uh, which isn't to say I don't enjoy singing, but I, you know, I like, uh, I'm not a guitar player at heart. I've been playing for, you know, like 16 years or something. So I, uh, before anything, that's, uh, what yeah, I really love to do. Cool. Now, you guys just came off, I believe, the Warp Tour, right? That's right, yeah. yeah. We just. You've also done, like, Sounds of the Underground and OzFest. How does Warp Tour, is it a different type of, uh, fan that you you kind of get at the warp tour than you might get say on an odds fest i would imagine probably it is yeah you know um it, it's what's what's cool because there's a lot of younger kids there and um you know odds fest has a lot of the like you know old metal heads that are that are coming out to the shows and uh but you know what's just got a lot of young kids that i think are uh uh well very impressionable but they um <laughs> you know they they might not even heard most, you know, heavy bands to begin with. So I think that's the biggest difference between the Warp Tour crowd and, and the other ones. It's just, it's just the age difference in these, in these kids. Is, you know, you get to be exposed to other kinds of music. And you know, Warp Tour has, you know, 100 some odd bands or something across the two months on it. And uh, it's, um, it's a little crazy, but uh, I think that they have a chance to expose some, some music they otherwise wouldn't hear on the radio and, you know, wouldn't see on tour with those bands that they traditionally listen to or they found on the TV or whatever. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's cool in that respect. It's a little weird because sometimes they kind of stare at you like you're on the stage naked or something. But uh, yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's real cool and it gave us a chance to play out with different people and some new kids, you know. Definitely. Well, I mean, I can definitely see kids like that being into what you guys are doing, but I... You know, with the new record especially, it could definitely see, like, even older, maybe Pantera fans being into what you guys are doing. And, is, you know, you guys definitely seem like you've gone more metal with your sound on this record. Was that a conscious effort, or is that something that kind of just happened? Yeah, it really wasn't. Yeah, I, I, for this record, I think we did things less, I guess, um, uh, deliberately, maybe, than we did on previous records. And I think that on, on, on a couple of the older records, we suppressed a lot of the influences that, that you know, even got us into just hardcore, um, like those bands like Slayer and Sepultura and Pantera, of course, and, and Metallica. And, um, you know, we felt kind of obligated to maybe suppress those in the interest of being, you know, more of a hardcore band, quote-unquote. Then we stepped back and we sort of realized that, um, you know, everything from our presses to integrity to marauder to minor threat and to bad brains is all hardcore and there's a reason for that and it's nothing to do with the sound of the songs and um and we figured that the you know the most you know real record we could make is one that just came naturally and from the heart and uh it just kind of just came out that way man it was really no it wasn't any you know um i guess there was no there was no real plan going into it we just kind of brought anything and everything to the table and uh, it, was, it felt really good, actually, because, you know, some of the first bands that I, you know, started learning songs by were, like, you know, songs on, when I was, like, 12, I was trying to jam through songs on, um, you know, Arise, Sepultura record. And yeah, you, uh, you got a Sepultura cover now, right? That's right, yeah, we did it. We actually did one uh, for this record, it was Propaganda, which is a song off Chaos AD, and, uh, yeah, we were really psyched to record that, too, man. Cool, cool. And also wanted to mention that I've read on a few websites, one being Wikipedia, which I don't always trust, but um, it I was referring to you guys as Straight Edge. Tell me about that label, and, and is that something you agree with? Yeah, absolutely. We've, uh, we've been a straight edge band from the get-go, and all the members of the band are straight edge, and um, you know, for people who are you know, maybe not familiar with the term, and, you know, none of us uh, uh, drink, smoke, or use any drugs, tobacco, anything like that. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, for us, it's always been and always will be a personal choice, and it's been, you know, part of the band since the beginning, um, but uh, it, it's just, you know, it's a choice for us that we personally, you know, live our life better, and I think that we, uh, you know, make the music we do because we have that focus and that, um, that discipline and living that way, and, uh, um, yeah, you know, it's interesting because we have a very, pretty wide uh, spectrum of fans and it's it's cool to have them come up and kind of ask about that um and uh you know, maybe not understand it at first but uh was, was uh, there something that caused you guys to go that direction did you did you see other bands falling on their face because they were too messed up or um no you know i mean i got into to being straight edge when i was 
when I was really young. I've been straight edge for almost 15 years now, and I, when I started going to hardcore shows, I saw that there was this whole, I guess, subculture of kids that, um, you know, had an amazing time and did their own thing, and, and it was uh, without drugs and without substance abuse, and, um, and it just felt right for me, and it felt, you know, very natural, and it was, uh, um, and I felt like I was in the right place, and I think the biggest reason is, you know, just growing up, I had seen how, and, you know, all four of us have our different reasons for living that way, but, you know, I just, I'd seen how drugs and alcohol especially had um, affected people, you know, very negatively in, in, in my in, uh, my life and in others um, around me, my peers, and, uh, you know, it just wasn't something that I wanted to, uh, you know, it wasn't something I wanted to carry on with, uh, with you know, my years ahead, so, uh, so yeah, you know, it was just a choice I made back then and, and stuck to it since then. choice. Now, one of my favorite bands is uh, is Tool. I'm a big fan of Maynard. I, I was reading also you're a big fan of those guys. Have you seen this uh, Pussifer project that Maynard is working on? I, you know, I haven't actually, but um, I heard about <laughs> I heard about the title of the record, which was just <laughs> amazing. V is for <laughs> vagina. <laughs> you got, you know what you got to do. You got to go to YouTube and and search search the band. And there's a f real funny video up there called Country Boner, which he comes out in this cowboy hat and sings, and it's uh, pretty. Astounding. Wow. Oh, I need to. Yeah, no, I, I need to see. I mean, I'm interested in pretty much anything that those guys do, and they could, uh, you know, pretty much fart in a bag, and I'd listen to it. So, uh, um, yeah, I got. <laughs> you guys are from Orange County. Why, why is it like if, if somebody's from Orange County, they're from, it's like really the only place I know where people refer to being from a county as opposed to a town or a city. <laughs> Any idea why that is? I mean, it's funny. I don't know. I mean, I guess like I mean, there's so many cities in Orange County. And, is you know, why? I, okay. If I went for a jog, I'm, you know, I can get through Costa Mesa, Huntington, and Newport in about, you know, 10 minutes before where I live. So it's like, um, I don't know if that's it or just that, you know, there's maybe more of like a collective pride and like, I guess, kind of what, what's going on in Orange County, um, at least for music, you know, and yeah, that's most bands, most, you never hear a band that are from Huntington Beach, you know, <laughs> right. like, they're, uh, you're, you're right about that, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of music that's come out of Orange County over the years from, you know, all across a, a number of different genres, and, uh, 
Uh, I think fans are just, you know, stoked to be a part of that. And while, you know, we may not sound like anything, we may not sound much like, um, you know, Thrice or 18 Visions or Revenge Sevenfold or Bad Religion for that matter, um, you know, we're, we're excited to be, you know, a, a part of something that's bigger than just us or what, you know, the, the style of music we're playing. So, um, so yeah, I don't know. And I think that, uh, I think that especially musicians and, and a lot of the artists, there's a ton of artists that come out of Orange County as well. Um, you know, they feel, uh, I guess they kind of feel obligated to give it the good name that, you know, that bad sitcoms, uh, have otherwise tarnished, you know? So, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. We take a lot of pride in that, you know? Excellent, man. Well, I gotta tell you, I'm digging the new record, Venom and Tears. I'd like to uh, end the interview right now getting into the title track off the record, which is, again, a very strong record that all you guys out there in Talking Metal Land should go to iTunes and download. The band is Throwdown. The new record is Venom and Tears. We've been chatting with Dave here. Dave, thanks for joining us. This is... Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it, man. You bet. This is Venom and Tears. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader.
New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.